and thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We're equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Pastor Michael Lockstampfor, and I'm sure you've heard the phrase, it's easier to ask forgiveness than to ask permission. Usually whoever's making this statement has a little bit of a mischievous smirk on their face, and we might be inclined in many cases to go along with them. It might seem more expedient to us, and we have confidence in the character of the person that we're potentially offending. This might be even more tempting when we think about sinning against Jesus, because that guy knows how to forgive sins. He's a super forgiver. He asks God to forgive the people who are nailing him to a cross. So while we can trust Jesus' character, his desire to forgive, and his ability to forgive sins, does that mean that we can do whatever we want? and ask Jesus to forgive us later? Pastor Todd McQueen answers just these questions through Romans chapter 6. Now there's links to that scripture and to other resources that you may find helpful in the episode description. Let's listen in together as we learn that our life reflects what we offer to Jesus. Let's listen in to what that gospel life is all about. Well, good morning, Grace Church. We're continuing our series this morning in base camp where we've set up the camp for our faith, the fundamentals of our faith. As we set up camp, we've talked about our faith. And most of all, we talked about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, resurrection and promised return of Jesus. And we've talked last week. Remember, how do we handle life when things aren't going well because we have faith in Jesus? This week we transition, we're talking about what does our life look like since we've declared allegiance to Jesus that we want to follow Jesus. So as we get started, take a look at the screen up above. And with me a little bit, just imagine that we give human qualities to Molly. How many people have pets? Right. How many people really like their pets? Yeah. So this won't be too much of a stretch. How many people talk to their pets like you think they're going to respond to you? Exactly. So Rodlin, exactly. Rodlin even talks to our car, Wally. (laughs) So you have, really? Okay. So we got Molly, not Wally. So let's say Molly's in the pound and you go to the pound. How will Molly interact with you? She really wants out of the pound. She's excited, right? So you pay the fee, whatever it costs, to get her out of the pound, and you walk outside the door, and she's like, oh, excited to be with you. And you go home, and like the dog like, is so attached to you because it realized that, oh my goodness, if it hadn't been you rescuing me, life would have been really bad. So we got, let's go with Nikki or Jax. Jax looks like he's got a bad attitude. So Jax is in the dog pound, and you go to pick him up. Let's say you're looking for a good hunting dog, John. And, right? So Jax, you walk up, and Jax is like, whatever. So you like get Jax out of the dog pound. You pay the fee. You walk outside with him. You get toward the back of your truck. You're going to open the box, and your dog's going to get in. And he turns around and says, goes back into the dog pile. 
why. That's what we would think. Now let's amp it up a little bit. Now the Marion County Humane Society on their website says we don't kill any of our dogs. Where I come from in Ohio, the dog pound was a death sentence on a certain schedule. How many of you know dog pounds that are like that? Right, you do, won't you, Ross? So Jax, you're trying to rescue Jax to be a good hunting dog. Get outside, Jax gets to the back of the truck and says, no, I'm going back in. I don't want to be liberated from the, pennel, from the kennel, from the dog pound to go with you. That's Romans 6. Can I sin on purpose? Jesus Christ has liberated us from sin and death, so how then should we live? Should we turn around and run back into the dog pound, even if it's a death penalty? So turn to Romans chapter 6, page 781 in the Story Bible this morning, and we'll start in verse 1. Does anybody need a Bible this morning? Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Is it okay to sin on purpose? Starting in verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Stop there. So is it okay to sin on purpose? Jesus has forgiven me. Can I go ahead and do this? Can we abuse grace? What's Paul's answer in verse 2? This has been tamed down quite a bit. Absolutely not. You ever ask your parents for permission just for something, and they just don't say no? Yo, Frank, you've heard this. <laughs> yes, I can, you know, hey, Dad, can I have the keys to the car tonight? There's no, and then there's no, absolutely no way, no. And if, depending on who our parents were was raised by them, we probably heard another word inside there. You've, Ross, you're shaking your head like, yeah. Paul, okay, so is it okay for me to sin on purpose? What's Paul's answer? No, absolutely not, no way, no wow. What's, why not? Why isn't it okay? Jesus has forgiven me. You told me when I came to know Jesus that salvation is open for everybody and he forgives everything. Isn't that true? It's true. So I should just go ahead and do what I'm going to do. Can you see the logic? Now, while we're all comfortable, let me present you with this idea. I did some little bit of research, and I know people who volunteer for the Crisis Pregnancy Center in Ocala, where they, do, where they try to counsel ladies before they have abortions. One quarter of the abortions performed in Ocala is because Jesus will forgive me. They claim allegiance to Jesus, but I'm going to go ahead and do this because he'll forgive me. Did it land home yet? This is a real-life question. We can shake our heads and say, no, it's not okay to go ahead and sin. But how many of us, may we this week, may not be entertaining the idea of aborting, 
But maybe idea is saying, I can't stand my neighbor and I'm going to throw a fit because Jesus forgive me. I can go ahead and yell at Tyler because that dude can really aggravate you. But Jesus will forgive me. Or how many times do you guys deal with other people inside the cottage? They're like, I know I'm going to do something. The dude's going to do it to me. And he's going to say, will you please forgive me? And you're like, right? So Paul's answer is no, absolutely not. There's no way. This is abusing grace. Then let's explain the why not. In verses 2 through 4, how can you who have died to sin choose to live in it? You're dead to that. Faith means that you're, you're totally immersed in Jesus Christ. This isn't a faith that's one hour on Sunday morning. Following Jesus means you dove off the end of that pier into the ocean. There's a difference between saying, I really want to go swimming today to walk at the end of the pier and jump off. You guys go down to the dock, and somebody says, well, I want to swim, and they kind of walk down into the ramp. Then you got that one crazy dude that goes right off the end. That dude's immersed into swimming. John, that's you, isn't it? When Jesus says, follow me, he's asking for total immersion. You have been baptized into Jesus' death. What? Follow this line of thinking. You've been immersed into it. You've been dunked into it. You're completely covered into this thing called following Jesus. And it's more than just what happens on Sunday morning. Because God took on flesh. He was killed and Jesus was buried. Jesus took on our sin and died, literally. Our faith believes that we were there with him. Jesus took our place on the cross to pay for our sins. We like that. It takes care of a sin issue. Do you realize your life was put up with him on the cross is what Paul is giving you this image. You have died with Christ. You are immersed with him. You are united with him. He took on your death sentence for your sin. Jesus died and was buried so that he could be raised to life, a new life. Our faith believes that since he was raised from the dead, we can have life today. So our faith believes that our sins were buried on that day so that we could be raised to a new life today. Do you get the image? You're totally immersed in Jesus. You're united with him. You're completely covered. You've gone off the end of the pier in following this Jesus. That means, hey, Jesus said, I'll take your sin. I'll pay that penalty for you. Then he said, I will raise from the dead, conquering sin and death. You're still united with him. And we all say, amen. Because what does Paul say if he had just died for us? Like any good movie character, they day. We put up a tombstone, we say, well, that's, uh, that's terrible. But Jesus rose from the dead, conquering sin and death. We really like to be united with him with that, don't we? So you are united with him in new life. Faith means following Jesus' call to follow him, called to be his disciples. Followers of Jesus, therefore, walk, follow in a new life.
a life that's been purchased by Jesus for his purposes. For his purposes. We claim allegiance to him for today and eternity. Because here's what I think people are saying. I'll buy me some Jesus forgiveness for the sins for eternity because I'm going to heaven. I like that. But my relationship with God today and dealing sin with today, that's a whole nother matter. Can I purposely sin today knowing he's going to forgive me? But when we think mostly that Jesus' forgiveness of my sin solves an eternity issue and it doesn't have much to do today, you can see where you could not think, wow, there's consequences for purposely sinning today. So in verses 5 through 11, we're going to look to the death of that old life. We're united with Jesus. We've been immersed with him. I'll pick up with verse 5. For we have have been united with him, Jesus, in a death like his. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our, our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The death to the old self. Faith means being united, immersed, baptized, totally dunked in Jesus on his work on the cross. Our sins were placed on the cross. Jesus took our sins and died and removed for eternity our slavery to our old master. Slavery to sin today. Death of our old self, our pre-Jesus deciding to follow Jesus time, is dead. And that life was self-serving. You get to the core of the issue of most sin in people's life, it's about me. I want my way. We got good ways of coloring that up. But Jesus says, hey, I want you to be immersed with me so it becomes all about what I want for you. But no, we, we want to, after we follow Jesus, we don't want to be liberated. We don't want to be freed. But Jesus has come into our dog pound to rescue us. Our Messiah, our anointed one, the promised king. When he died, that means there shall never be an evil slave owner that comes and takes you out of the dog pound who is a nasty ruler, nasty boss, nasty guardian, a nasty owner. But Jesus rescued you from that, liberated you from that as an amazing Messiah, appointed one, anointed one. For new life. Take you out, liberate you, to make you alive with him, to follow him. So, therefore, reckon, acknowledge your old self is dead. 
to be alive with God. Listen to me for a second. Following Jesus isn't all about stopping what was bad. Consider that dead, Paul says. Then what? What's the opposite of dead? Alive. So stop being dead. Turn around and be alive. Chase after him. Follow him. This looks like repentance, doesn't it? You're going this way. Turn and go this way. Okay? Consider dead. Don't worry about just stopping. What's the other thing to do? To be alive and then walk with him. See the action? You are liberated in Jesus' death for life. Not just not not doing. John, you and I talked about this a lot last time you visited. The Christian life isn't about the quality of things you don't do anymore. It's not your scorecard of saying, well, I don't drink, smoke, or go out with girls who do. Or whatever it is. I don't, I don't do this anymore. I don't do anything anymore, so I'm a good Christian now. I'd say, all right, so what are you chasing then? What are you doing then? If you're alive, who are you following? What does that act of faith look like? What would your neighbor say? Well, at least he doesn't keep me up till 2 in the morning partying, but I've never seen him. I got good neighbors because they never talk to me. A good neighbor that's following Jesus would say something, do something, interact with people in such a way that they would know that they followed Jesus. So what is the faith life? What does it look like? Romans 6, 12 through 14. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make it obey your passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but grace. What's the faith life? Okay, let's get this part out of the way. People love the don'ts. In the cottage, you guys got a list of don'ts? Heather, come on, nod your head. Because I know you got, oh, yes, she does. There's a lot of don'ts in this house. When you're driving down the road, do they have a bunch of signs that say don'ts? Don't speed. All right? I kind of have a hard time with that one. Okay, let's do the don'ts first. Don't allow sin to rule. Remember being liberated to a new owner? Don't allow sin to rule over you. My best example is this. Do you know somebody that's addicted to something across the counter or otherwise sold by a legal pharmaceutical salesman? Who rules their life? Don't allow sin to rule like that. But how many of us know people that want more money, more, they want more, 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 so they allow the possibility to overtime to rule their life? We allow things to rule our life in the chase of what makes us as a center of attention be gratified. Don't allow that to rule. Don't hand over the rights to sin. 
Ross, you got a beautiful new car and I want to buy that. And you say, yeah, I'll sell it to you for 10 grand. Well, let's say it's 25 grand. It's a new car. And I give you 25 grand. When are you gonna, what do I expect from you? Where are you gonna talk, and when are we going to sign? The title. I want the title. You want the greenbacks. I want the title. Any part in that transaction where you don't give me, I don't give you the greenbacks, you're not giving me the title. Don't give the title over to sin. Here you go. You're the, you got this. You own it. Don't present yourself. This is what I was doing with the kids. You present yourself to sin. The, the image here is like a military image. Now, this is my knife. Yeah, Frank, you know. Now, if I present this to you in an aggravating way, what are you thinking? You're like, if I'm in an aggressive way, you know, you and I are in a dark alley, you don't know me from anything, and I whip this out and go, and start yelling at you. How did I present this to you? Not so good. Yeah. Some of us in this room may have a concealed carry, and that would be an opportunity to, uh, Tyler's nodding in agreement. As you present yourself to sin, you become the instrument, the knife that does damage. We have all in this room, if you've been alive for more than 30 seconds, know what it feels like to receive pain from other people. They presented themselves to you in your life as a sharp weapon of assault. When we present ourselves to sin like this, that's what we're doing. That's the image. There's the three don'ts. Now, do. I love the do's. Are you the pen that God can use to write? And when we ordered these things, we got like 5,000 of them. What's the most aggravating thing about pens when you order them? Now, when you guys order all these down to Seabury, what's the most aggravating thing when they come in the mail? They don't work. You're like, okay, it was only 2.3 cents a piece, but they didn't put it work. So as you're throwing them away, you get to number 10, and you're like, yeah, it kind of works. As you present yourself to Christ, are you a good pen or are you a cheap pen that you got off eBay? Or are you a quality fountain pen? I got this pen in my office. I love this thing. It just flows. Does anybody have a favorite pen? Yes. Yes, you do. Be the pen that when God gets in his hands, he says, oh, this one works. This one does as I tell it. This one is molded in my hand to do as I've asked it to do. When you present yourself to Jesus because you're dead to sin and you're alive and you're presenting yourself, Paul uses the word your body and your members. Let your mind go with that one. It's what it means. What are you presenting to him? Present yourself. What kind of instrument are you in his hands? Because we've been bought with a price. And more than that, 
Our faith in Jesus isn't just to take care of a sin issue and our eternity issue. It's life right now that's done in public. Faith in Jesus is the new purpose in life. It's his purpose. And it's put on display. See, grace does not simply imply the forgiveness of sins. It also involves transfer of ownership. If you're liberated from the dog pound, the new owner owns you. Jesus is your new owner. Grace means not only forgiveness of sins, but transfer of ownership. So followers of Jesus must consciously choose to place themselves at the disposal of their new master. Allow your feet to follow Jesus' steps and in interacting in your culture in such a way that it's evidence to your neighbors. At work, in the office, in the cabin, on your street, in the home. Because your king has bought you. He owns you. Present yourself to him in such a way that he can use you. Because sin no longer rules. Jesus does. Jesus died and rose again and once and for all so that God's power in salvation may be evidenced in your life. I'll go back to it again. Romans 1.16. You're like, how in the world did this happen? I really, really have a hard time with sin. That's chapter 7. We'll get there this next week. Chapter 6 says, Jesus, forgive me so I can sin all the much I want to. But how then do we transfer this ownership over in a day-by-day -day basis and walk with him? Because the power of Jesus is displayed in salvation. God's power working in our lives is in salvation today as we turn with our new master and walk with him. Because our life reflects what we offer to him. A pen in its place will not be any use to you unless it's in your hand. A coffee cup, I love coffee cups because in the morning I need my coffee. But if the coffee cup has a hole in the bottom, it doesn't work. Present yourself to Jesus. And then as your neighbors are watching, they're saying, wow, I see a reflection of a God at work in that person. Because our life choices being presented to God will be on display in our circumstances. Have you offered yourself to Jesus? We start at the first place. Have you ever met the Jesus that died for you and rose again and promised to come back? Have you offered yourself last week? What did this week look like? Because I'm not talking just about for eternity, but for tomorrow morning when that alarm clock, you got to drive clip back to Tampa today. Poor Charlie. Oh, yeah, that's near Cuba. So you're going to have to offer yourself to God on the trip down dealing with people on 75. Yeah. Then it's work on Monday. If you've ever worked construction, that is a place you can be in evidence. Yeah. So have you offered yourself to Jesus ever? 
Are you willing to today so that this afternoon when you go to lunch and you deal with that person that's next to you at the table or the person across from the table, how will you interact with them? And what would your friends say if I asked them? Self-identification is our worst quality. I follow Jesus and I love me some Jesus. Okay, let me go ask your neighbors. You guys know this in the cottage real well. see, look at me. Yeah, that kid says he loved Jesus on Sunday. He Mr. Tyler's around. He's a good kid. Wait till they all leave. Frank, you're laughing a little too hard. Nancy, what would your neighbors say? What would your neighbors say? Robbie, what do the guys say at work? He offers himself to Jesus. And finally... What kind of tool are you? I almost added this one because it didn't sound good. But it fits. It's Paul's image. What kind of pen are you? Robbie, you love Snap-on. Why? Why not buy just the cheap stuff at Harbor Junk or Harbor Freight? Why do you spend a hundred and some bucks on a ratchet wrench? And how's it work? Pretty good. Be a snap-on this week. What kind of tool are you? How will Jesus use you to reach your community for Jesus, to make disciples and in turn make disciples? Thanks again for listening. We hope you've been challenged, encouraged, and helped by God and His Word. If you want more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.